guys. Welcome to our podcast. We are Legalese, a podcast bringing you truth, power, and awareness. I'm Mel Marie. And I'm Toria. And today we have a really special episode. Um, since it's April, we are going to talk about national cannabis awareness. So we're going to talk about cases relating to that today. And so now we're going to talk about our hot topics yeah. before we get started. Let's dive into it because I feel like every time we come here and talk to you guys, something new happened in the news. We've discovered something. Girl, craziness. Every two weeks, there's a, always something. A new law. So we can get into it. We can get into it. Let me start. So first on our hot topics is Purvis Payne, a name you want to familiarize yourself with. So mm-hmm. Purvis Payne, who has an intellectual disability, has spent 33 years facing execution because he stumbled upon what he described in court was the worst thing he had ever seen in his life. A woman and two children that had been attacked. So despite having no prior criminal record and living with an intellectual disability, he was convicted and sentenced to death in Tennessee for murdering the woman and her daughter. And he did not do it. He did not do it. 33 years. So on June, so a little backstory of what he stumbled upon. On June 27, 1987, <clears throat> Mr. Payne was waiting for his girlfriend at her apartment in Millington, Tennessee. When he saw a man with blood on him sprinting out of the building, the man ran past him dropping change and paper papers as he ran, a few of which Mr. Payne picked up before he entered the building and made his way to the girlfriend's apartment. So there he noticed that the door to the apartment across the hall was open and he heard a noise. So Payne entered the neighbor's apartment where he encountered Sharice Christopher, who had been stabbed 41 times and still had the knife in her throat. So the panicked 20-year-old tried to help. He noticed that Miss Christopher... At her hand was grasping at the knife to try to remove it mm-hmm. out of her neck. So then he checked on her two younger children before running to get help. Shortly after leaving the apartment, he saw police officers arriving. And for the second time that day, Payne was overcome with panic. So that was the backstory of the case. And under the Eighth Amendment, it would be unconstitutional to execute Payne because he suffers with an intellectual disability. So the prosecutors also framed this case in a racially driven way. It wasn't just his being in the wrong place at the wrong time that led Mr. Payne's wrongful conviction. The prosecution's case against him exploited his intellectual disability and relied on racist stereotypes of of a black man to paint the portrait of Mr. Payne as a dangerous and hypersexualized drug user. So Mr. Payne didn't know Ms. Christopher and had no reason to attack her, and no evidence suggested that he sexually assaulted her. Yet, police and prosecutors argued that Mr. Payne had made an advance on Miss Christopher while using drugs and alcohol, and that when she rejected him, he stabbed her to death. However, there was no evidence that Mr. Payne was using drugs as well. So Payne's execution is set for April 9th, 2021, but you could sign his name on a petition at theinnocenceproject.org or by a Google search of his name. And you know what this reminds me of? This is definitely like a sad story in case. Two things I want to say. This is definitely important of like sometimes minding your own business will help you. I know. And this is horrible that he's in this predicament. And 33 years later, he's suffering for someone else's wrongdoing. But y'all, sometimes mind your business. If you see something, just call the cops like everyone else and just let it be. Uh, two, I do want to say if there's not an episode that you do share, 
I think this would be the one to share since it's going to be April 9th and six days. Yes, and he's been in jail for 33 years. 33 years. So I'm going to sign it now that I have the link, and I hope you all too will too and share that to other people who need it. Yeah. Spread purpose pain. Another hot topic, an Oklahoma law. <clears throat> so as last year, early last year, as you guys remember, there were many protests, many riots, A some involving the COVID cases, some involving police the BLM brutality. movement, yes, yeah. police brutality. So an Oklahoma law has just made it basically legal to perform a hit and run on a protester. So basically Oklahoma lawmakers have made a, a policy that would make it legal to do hit and runs on protesters, more specifically protect drivers who run over protesters. So I don't know, <laughs> you're, basically, you're basically making it, I mean, legal for people to just hit someone with their car. You know what? Keep that same energy. When they have their protests, skirt, skirt through. If you're being protected, if you if you if the law is protecting you to do some dumb stuff like that, well, it could it goes both ways. Like, it sounds really backwards because it's like it is backwards. Why would you do that just so you don't invoke um, protesting? Is that not a part of the First Amendment? Is that not a right that we have to protest? We do have the right. We do have that right. It's just slow. It's like it looks like it's like people are trying to slowly take of course others' rights away. Yeah. Next hot topic, the Georgia suppression law. I know you guys heard about it. I know you heard about it. It went viral on Twitter. People were upset because this past election showed that Georgia it's had voters. Blue. Yes. It's turning blue. And some people just did not like seeing that. So those wishing to vote absentee must now submit a driver's license number or other documentation People without driver's license or state ID must submit ad additional proof of their identity. Jobs, job boxes must be located inside early voting locations and will, will no longer be placed in other locations mm -hmm. convenient to voters like libraries or local government buildings. Moreover, the drop boxes will not be available to voters in the last four days of an election when it's too late to mail them in. Make it make sense. It, it doesn't make sense. And now the most outrageous of the law prohibited the delivery of food, water, and folding chairs to voters waiting in long lines. In the past elections, when voters in largely Democratic areas stood for hours in line to vote, volunteer groups called line warmers organized and brought water and other refreshments to people stuck in long lines. Mm -hmm. And these items were handed out to all voters. The justification for outlawing this practice was the potential for abuse. So, but there was never any evidence that line warmers did anything except hand out free water to voters, never asking them questions or electeering. So this Georgia law, I, what, what do you have to say about it? Cause. As someone who votes there, <laughs> um, this is why I'm so happy. Like when I do absentee that I don't, like it's covered, like it's, it, yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy that I am able to vote and I will vote these people out because there's no way that this is, should be acceptable. And with the food and water thing, it's a limit. It's like you can't be within like 150 feet of the location or 100, depending on where the area is. Um, so I do hope that 
the line warmers are set at 152 feet from the <laughs> building and do like a drive through and giving people food and water and kits so they can wait in line with their little goodie bags to vote. This is not about, uh, that shouldn't be political. Helping someone who's coming right off of work or is coming in between work to vote, yes. which is a right, shouldn't be penalized. Like, especially if it's hot, depending on the time of year, they should be able to do that. They're standing in line for hours. Some people have to take off of work just to vote. Um, so I think it's rude and unnecessary. However, with that, two of the politicians, Kelly Loeffler, she made a statement, and this is her statement. She's a Republican, by the way. She says, in response to the, oh, the Major League Baseball was supposed to have an event in Atlanta. A lot of companies and businesses go to Atlanta because it's such a big, booming area and it's so popular. However, they decide to pull out of their all-star game and they're, they haven't decided where that new location is going to be, but it's no longer going to be in Atlanta. So Kelly Loeffler said, in response to the MLB's decision to relocate the all-star game and MLB's drop from Atlanta, Greater Georgia Congresswoman stated, it is extremely unfortunate that MLB has fallen into the woke misinformation campaign being spread by Democrats only to the detriment of hardworking Georgians and small businesses. At a time when MLB has the opportunity to honor an iconic trailblazer, Hank Aaron, that's what the event was for, uh, they instead opted to honor politics. The greater Georgia area will continue to stand with the vast majority of Georgians who support the Election Integrity Act that extends, I'm sorry, that expands access and strengthens the integrity of our elections. Here's the thing. There is no one that I know of in Georgia who agrees with this. We all know and see this as suppression. It is. And as someone who they're honoring is a black person, they are willfully doing this in black areas. So make it make sense. If some things just aren't political, some things are just rights. People have human rights to vote and you're hindering that. And that's that. So... Tom Barrett, who's the mayor of Milwaukee, apparently Hank Aaron grew up there and played there for a long period of time. So he sent a letter out to the MLB and said, hey, it says, dear commissioner, I share your concerns about efforts to restrict voting rights in Georgia and elsewhere in the U United States. And I approve of your decision to relocate the 2021 All-Star Game. As you review alternative sites for the game, I ask that you consider Milwaukee. It is particularly appropriate location to honor Hank Aaron, who is revered and beloved former Milwaukeean. He started and concluded his major league career with the team here. The city of Milwaukee would be honored to host the all-star game and you would have full support of my office to make the festivities a success. And I think, they should. I've never heard anything about Milwaukee other than like the Kaiser case like we did last episode and like some riots and stuff. But other than that, why not bring business to smaller locations where there are black icons who have made a difference in society? Why not? Yeah. They should bring business there. I think it's great. They should. Yeah. Since since George want to be on some fuck shit, go take your <laughs> business elsewhere. And a lot of other companies are going to be doing the same. And yeah. I agree. I don't think Hank would agree with uh, what Loeffler had to say. Yeah. 
And then Camp wants to say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm over Camp. I'm over Camp. I'm over all of it. He stole the election from Stacey, and I'm voting for Stacey if she, if she re-elects, you know, runs again. Period. Um, but yeah, that's it. Go ahead. <laughs> is there anything else? Another hot topic. This is a little bit more internationally. So I watched a recent video from a native Belgium citizen on how racism and police brutality is normalized in their country. So this is an incident that happened over there recently. So one of the incidents that have occurred was done to a college student by the name of Moraine. So on March 27th, Moraine was brutally beaten by police officers after entering her dorm room. And after days of being locked in a cell, she was thrown out onto the streets without any of her bruises or injuries cared for. So while walking back home on the streets crying, some bystanders no bystanders noticed her and brought her to the hospital and the doctors noticed that she was physically assaulted and they called the police. Mm. The same police that did the same thing to her. So their excuse was, listen to this, she ran into a door. Make it make sense. She ran into a door. I so, know who does that. No one does. That's like domestic violence situations. Like... When that the abuser says, oh, she fell down the stairs. Oh, yeah. So to bring more awareness to it, Moraine in Belgium, this occurred. And it's crazy because we talked about this earlier. When people of color are like, I want to explore the, the other countries out there. you know, or, Yeah. Or immigrate. Yeah, immigrate. You're right. But they want to know if it's safe for them to be in these countries. And it's instances like this where it's like, is it safe as a person of color to be in Belgium now? I don't know about, as a black person, I don't know what that would be like in those areas, especially when the UK, I don't know if you heard, um, they made like a whole document, federal government document saying that institutionalized, institutionalized racism, racism doesn't exist yeah. over there. Like, <laughs> I don't know why, but yes. It's trying to cover Denying. their tracks. Yeah, yeah. denying denying it when we know it's there i'm glad that people have sense to know that no that's bs it's yeah there. it's crazy that they did that like we said discussed before um typically in europe they don't have they don't use guns so i don't know yeah. why this is there was a need to beat her up if you need to restrain someone and arrest them that sounds like a hate crime and it, they're protecting each other as they always do when it comes it to harming black people so bring awareness to her case moraine from belgium um, next, oh my goodness, when I heard about this, I was like, how dare, how dare. So France has basically done one of the most xenophobic things what? I think I have ever heard. So they have now made it illegal for any child under the age of 18 to wear a hijab in public. What? Yes. Just happened. Parliament is set to ban Muslim women from attending their children's uh, school trips while wearing a hijab, a symbol it sees as a threat to all things the Republic stands for. What does that mean? I don't know. It's like well, if they wear a hijab, that's threatening their Republic, that's threatening France. I don't understand what a symbol that's what symbol is it? Because from my okay. This is this is the mindfuck I'm talking about. It's like, oh, women should be conservative. So when a woman covers up herself, but not in the image you like, it's an issue. Make it make sense. So they said, apparently, the French state believes that 
in stigmatizing the hijab from all areas of public life, it will liberate Muslim women from Islam. No, you know what would liberate them? Ha them having all types of styles of hijabs. How about that? Like, why? Why do you care so much? So people are outraged. They're outraged, and they I, should be. I never thought this is like this would be a thing. I know that people are liberating Muslim women because of the persecution that they are subjected to in their countries um, regarding to them not having rights to drive and to read and to educate. But hijabs, that and the whole wearing hijab is like two different things. That's not so the same thing. I don't though. know what the French was trying to do it when they made this. It definitely document. sounds like white, like white savior bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is. It's it is. like, you know, it's like a, when you help trying to help poor people, you think by like giving them money, that's it. Yeah. Why not ask people what they want? Why not ask these Javi women or these Muslim women what they want and what they need to feel safe in their communities? Mm -hmm. That I mean, hearing them, listening to them, and then enacting whatever policies to cultivate that space would be very, I don't know, maybe smarter. But when you have people who are unaware, who are not even in the religion, I wow making rules and policies for people, this is what you get. Cause I bet you they all look the same and most of them have the same gender that are making, that are making those laws. Oh gosh, it's... And it is what it is. There's no way to hide it. There's no way to tamper around it, you know, tap around it. That is what it is. Yeah. But that's what I... That's crazy. Know. I feel so bad for them. For banning it makes them liberated? Yes. What? The choice, the ability to choose makes it liberated. And they can choose that without stupid law. And people that do wear hijabs that are in France, they're like, oh, well, now I have to wear a hat because I can't do this. And I can't wear my... And it's like, what? And that's not even cute. Like, that doesn't even go with all their outfits. Like, I know some of them have, like, it's a whole outfit. Yes. Now you got to pick something else first. And they look beautiful wearing it. They do. I... It's kind of... It's crazy this is going on. In 2021, what is this? And it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. No sense whatsoever. Okay, so last week, I want to say last week or what have you, mm -hmm. there was a shooting in Colorado, mm -hmm. as we all heard. Ten people died. Um, the suspect, he was charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder and one charge of attempted murder, according to his warrant. And... When he was there after the shooting, he like took off his clothing. What? Yeah, like almost everything except his shorts when he was taken into custody. Was he on drugs? I don't think so, no. Oh, uh, he was a sound mine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently he had a connection to ISIS. Oh. Yeah. But he was very white passing. He's very white passing when I saw this photo. Anyway. So interesting fact that Boulder banded assault rifles, so the NRA sued them. And the judge lifted the ban, which mm. causes people to have assault rifles. Now, and then what? Six days later, a gunman killed six people with the AR-style weapon. And so that's, and then this. So what do you think about banning ARs or certain type of guns or any okay. restrictions? Okay. The gun debate. Everyone loves it. My thing is... I understand having something on your person to for protection, mm -hmm. like a little Glock or a little handgun, pepper spray, keep a baby taser. Glock. Keep a baby Glock. I'm I argue with no random. Yes, I think. <laughs> oh god. 
gosh, I understand having that on your person to protect yourself. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world today. Understandable. Now, uh, assault rifle, a shotgun, ARs. You're that not in like- a battlefield. <laughs> You're not. I, I'm not well versed on like the different brands yeah. of guns. I just know. I when I see it, I know what it is. Yeah. Now we're not on a what is it called? We're on a battlefield. You're not in war. You're going to gro- he went to a grocery store. A yeah. grocery store. You're going to Walmart. You're going to a grocery store. What do you need? What do you need that for? That's how you know the intent was there. Yeah. There doesn't even need to be an argued intent. Like the intent was there when he brought that gun inside that grocery store. So that's not needed. You're not hunting deer. You're not not in the woods. Yeah. So why do you feel the need to bring that in a grocery store and use it? And then the ban on the guns. It's like they keep this is back and forth. The NRA, oh, it's all it's always been this back and forth. They had in uh certain southern states as well. So I believe you can put a bunch of regulations on these items, such as guns. And when you try to ban it, people are gonna find other ways to get it and yeah. other ways to use it. Yeah. But you know, having a license, making it regulatory, ma- saying that you only can use this gun in certain instances. So if you ever get caught with this gun outside of an area that isn't being used, like a grocery store or a bank, I agree. Yeah, you shouldn't have that in that area. I com- now that you said that, I completely agree. Like if I had, like you said, like a regular Glock, I am. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I understand. Like having a low clock or something on the side, you know, if you if it's late at night, if you're going to the store or something, or you know, just like everyday small use, like nothing crazy, understandable, strictly for protection. But like you said, I don't. Why do you need a shotgun to go to Walmart? Why do you need a shotgun to, I don't know, build a home or something? Get some from Home Depot. I don't know why you would need that. So to have that in those type of areas, I think you're right. It should be questioned, like and regulated. It's like a safety precaution. It's like even if you do bring those big guns in these like areas with children and yeah. workers, like safety. What if the safety goes off? You know. Well, that doesn't happen often. It's well, very hard to move a safety. I'm just saying. Well, people that's well. And then kids that are seeing it, why does that man have a big gun? You know, some people are traumatized to other instances that if they even see a big gun, they're like, what's about to happen? I School shootings, I, mass shootings. I get what you're saying. I think you're right. I think we should, hmm, you're right. I, there should be some kind of regulatory well, I mean, stance around my it. My stance on guns is I think everyone who owns a gun should be going to the, at least the the gun range? A, a gun range at least once a month. <laughs> I think you should be taught and try, you know, there should be tests that are done at least once a year. Mental health tests as well, you know, once a year. Criminal background checks at least once a year. You know how you update your driver's license? Yeah. It expires, updating a gun license. And it should be often. Like once a, at least once a year. And I get, it's not like that all the time. These mass shootings be. are ridiculous. Actually ridiculous. I know. So, but that's that. <laughs> Next thing, um, General Louis DeJoy, he's a, po- a part of the post office, postmaster of that, the post office. Um, he unveiled a new rollout for, you know, mail services. And as part of the 10 year plan for the USPS, um, now there will be longer first class delivery 
first class mail delivery times, a reduced postal office hours, and larger, I'm sorry, higher prices. So this also does affect elections oh, as well. Boring, yeah. And he was put in by the last president. And see, this is how it happens. Like, no efficiency, no getting the mail faster, no Amazon. We have to wait longer for mail. Which is actually horrible because if someone is taking medications and has to be shipped, they can die <laughs> or get while really or ill while getting waiting for it. Yeah. And higher prices. Are you? This is. And mail is already expensive. It is. A stamp is like 50 cents. Do you know that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it never used to be that much. It never used to be that much. Let's see. Okay. Uh, and then there was a, a, a situation that happened recently. This 13-year-old kid named Adam Toledo, Toledo, Toledo yeah. was killed by officers in Chicago. And let's see. They and won't they, release the body cam footage. They basically. won't release the footage. The police said he they had an armed confrontation with a 13-year-old yeah. and that they recovered the gun at the scene. However, his family, Toledo's family, said that they were not aware that he had a gun. He's 13. And they want, like you said, the body cam footage. So the mayor is and the superintendents are trying to get that issue resolved and get the footage uh, released within the next 60 days. I personally think that they're going to try to edit this video and make mm -hmm. it seem like he is in the wrong. I don't know any 13-year-old who has boy. doesn't make any sense to me why they couldn't use a taser. There's tasers that, you know, extend, it, out. extend out. There's other ways. If we have, what is that white kid? That Kyle Riddle house, right. whatever yes. his name is. If he can walk away shooting two people at 17 and is alive and free, why are you killing a 13-year-old kid with a gun? For just holding a gun. If that was the case. Make it make sense. I don't. It doesn't make sense. However, this is what the superintendent, superintendent of the police said. His name is David O. Brown. My greatest fear as the as superintendent of Chicago Police Department has been a deadly encounter between one of our own and the juvenile especially when given a recent rise of violent crimes involving juveniles throughout our city. Unfortunately, this fear became a reality earlier this week. Any loss of life is tragic, especially when it involves youth. On behalf of the entire Chicago PD, I send my condolences to the family of the juvenile, who was fatally shot by a Chicago police officer in the early morning hours of Monday, March 29th, 2021. I'm not naming this young man because I do not want to violate his privacy as a juvenile. The split second decision to use deadly force is extremely difficult for any officer and is always a heavy burden to bear for officers involved in a fatal shooting incident. My full, I, we fully support the investigation being conducted by the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, COPA, COPA um, and adamantly call for the release of any and all video, including body-worn camera footage related to the incident as uh, permitted by laws pertaining to the juveniles. The specifics of the incident, including the comprehensive use of force investigation, are being investigated by COPA with full cooperation with the CPD. The officer involved has been placed on uh, routine administrative duty for a period of 30 days. This matter is under investigation, and all further inquiries can be Directed to COPA at 312-746-3609. What do you think about that? My thing is, what 
The body cam footage. That's the only thing that seems very sketch. If you have it, release it. Because Period. that can tell you a lot. Video, I think that's the one of the joys and benefits of having technology in this day and age. Is like you can't get away with anything. I want to see the video. It's because you have it on surveillance video or uh, tapes. So I want to see the video. And that's that. I mean, that's crazy. Um, let's see. Real quickly. Oh, Matt Geetz, he was he's under investigation for sexual relations with a 17-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. He's trash. He's a congressman. And yeah, that that happened. Another thing is there the Suez Canal was blocked and now it's open. <laughs> um, I saw a lot. Of, uh, people were like making a bunch of memes about it. Basically making fun of it. Yeah. And G. Gordon Liddy, he was the the Watergate operative who went to prison rather than testifying, um, which is a part of our first case that we did. Um, So if you guys want to listen to that, you can listen to that as well. And so that concludes our hot topics. And we will get to you later about the marijuana cases. Yeah. See you soon. (laughs) You know... It is Cannabis Awareness Month, so mm-hmm. we will be presenting you with some information about the history of marijuana, what marijuana even is, why people use it, what it was used as back in the day. So basically, on this episode, we'll be focusing on marijuana, which it has a bunch of other names. I've heard people call it Mary Jane. <laughs> yeah. I've heard people call it weed, tree, bud. Pot, cannabis. Have you heard any other names? That's, That's a, it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those are most of the names. So, how about we start with the first known discovery of the green grass? The oldest known written record on cannabis use comes from the Chinese emperor Sheng Nung in 2727 BC. Ancient Greeks and Romans were also familiar with cannabis. While in the Middle East, use spread throughout the Islamic empire to North Africa. In 1545, cannabis spread to the Western hemisphere where Spaniards imported it to Chile for its use as fiber. In North America, cannabis in the form of hemp was grown on many plantations for use in rope, clothing, and paper. So as you can see, it's been used forever, yeah. It started off as just like basic necessities. Literally. It is, and it still is, should be used that way, and it still is used that way. Can you imagine how much? Yeah, I know. And it will help so many industries cut down on plastics and things like that. So that's really interesting. And there were also more information. It was said to have been an in, like a ingredient that's a part of like the holy oil mm-hmm. uh, referenced in the Hebrew version of Exodus. Like you said, um, ancient... Ancient Egyptians used it for to treat like glycoma and like general inflammation. Um, they also used it for sore eyes and cataracts. I never thought would have thought about that it honestly. You, you. And I think you said it, the Chinese emperor Fu he he she he. Oh, this his name was uh, Sheng Nong. Oh, okay. So the, an emperor called Fu Chai. H-S-I. Yeah, it might, that might be the pronunciation. Uh, called cannabis the popular medicine in 2900 BC. And they, Chinese invented, uh, identified more than 100 uses for the marijuana by 100 AD. And like we said, cloth, paper, uh, and stems 
from, you know, and rope from stems. So that's interesting. And Anglo-Americans and Europeans have known about marijuana's medicinal benefits since 1830s. Isn't it crazy? Since 1830s. And it was a surgical anesthetic. It was. It said that around the time Sir William Brooke O. Shaughnessy? I don't know. I'm sorry about these names. These You're names. just butchering it. He was an Irish doctor studying in India, basically. And he documented that cannabis extracts could ease cholera symptoms like stomach pain, vomiting. And by the late 19th century, Americans and Europeans could buy can- cannabis extracts in pharmacies and doctor's offices to help with stomach aches, mm-hmm. migraines, inflammation, insomnia, other ailments. That's crazy that they right? used that back in the day. Exactly. And the thing is, and we'll talk more about this, yeah. but in India, they also had a drink called Bang Bang. And it's a mixture of the marijuana, milk, and other ingredients. Oh. And it's an anti-phlegm and, like you said, anesthetic. And so, and it's still used today. And so, and it apparently helped with, like, leprosy and other, like, fevers, encourages sleep, improved judgment and cognition. So, we've, we've been using this. Society has been using this for centuries. Literally. It's, and it's. It's so interesting, like, why he's being persecuted. Like, why that's the case? It doesn't make sense. So many health benefits, and imagine. Imagine. Exactly. And the thing about this is a lot of this is used medicinally. It's not recreationally, but if it's used medicinally, we can do so. How many medications would be off the market? Because we can just put our money into marijuana and all of its lovely benefits. Because it's not even, did you, do you hear the list you just like? Oils, creams drinks i mean come on really it's like it can help ease so many illnesses to the fact that you won't have these i guess you can say you know how certain um doctors or people that practice medicine or pharmacies they bring out their own medicine Mm -hmm. but it's not fda approved yeah you know if they can do that, why can't marijuana be a little, you know, push for an ingredient to, you know, expand on all these medicines? And yes, so it's the, I guess I guess because in Western, well, Western as in like white and American medicine, it's more pills. Mm-hmm. Whereas people of color and black people, and especially in our culture, it's herbs. We're, we're eating herbs. We're and drinking teas. and eating herbs and teas, and we don't get sick. Like that's just not common. Whereas in America, everyone's just popping pills and they're sickly all the time. Like it's just being aware of what's around you and the medic, the herbs that are there that and we they can grow out from of the, the ground <laughs> that are natural and help us and are healthy and needed and to give us all the minerals and vitamins that we need. Why not put our energy and money into that? We do it all the time. We're so healthy and. Yeah, these Americans are popping pills. Bush tea, y'all look into some bush tea. Mm, really yes. <laughs> and also, like you said, oh yeah, it's in text. And it also helps with earaches. And a, apparently it helps pr- suppress sexual desire. I don't know. Wow. I don't know about this. That's a new one. That's But the Romans one. also used it for gout and arthritis. And like we said, general pain. And for migraines. Interesting. Do you want to continue on? And so... After that time, like in the 1600s, in the U.S., um, it was used, like we said, hemp for, was grown like any other crop. And it was basically, like we said, for clothing, rope, and sails. 
in the 1700s, George Washington had a hemp farm. That's crazy. Our and president? Yep. Hemp farm? And yes, and there was he used it for medicinal use, like we've discussed before. And in the 1800s, in 1840, marijuana became widely used in medicine in the U.S. for decades. And then all things change, like we said, other than that, it was also used as a way to help with opioid withdrawal symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, and then that, like we said, it changed in like the 1900s. Yes. And this is, this is when it like shifted to something that was illegal, yeah. criminalized, like exactly. ruined so many people's lives. And it's just, it's ridiculous. So we've said this before and I'll say it again, one's racism and one's bigotry mm -hmm. will screw them over in the long run. We've seen how many medical benefits marijuana has had. We just discussed them. Mm -hmm. And it can be ranges, whether it's stomach or, you know, earaches, what have you. People in the U.S. being racist cause them to increase jail sentences and not have healthy alternatives to medicine. So in the 1930s, apparently like Mexican immigration started occurring. Yes. And, and that's where the name yeah, marijuana came from. Exactly. So it wasn't always called marijuana, guys. They tied it to the Mexican culture and immigration as well to mm -hmm. try to demonize those immigrants and say, oh, they're bringing yeah. drugs in this country and exactly. stuff like that. That specific line. They said these Mexican immigrants are tearing um, our society they feared that they would take their jobs because the Great Depression was happening at the same time. And so they put laws against marijuana and so, hopes to harm Hispanic people. Yes. And it was called, well, I looked it up. It was called the Marijuana Tax Act of mm -hmm. 1937. Yep. So as she said, it basically banned marijuana nationwide despite the American Medical Association related it to like the medicinal use to it. And the act came just a year after the film Reefer Madness warned parents that drug dealers would invite their teenagers to jazz parties and get them hooked on reefer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, And Harry Anslinger, he was the commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. He began this campaign about like saying that it caused insanity and it caused all these other harmful effects to people which propelled, like you said, the act. That's crazy. And then there was a the Boggs Act, which was passed in 1952. And it, strictly, it started creating strict mandatory punishments and offenses for people who were using marijuana. And then the 60s came. Oh. <laughs> and that's when it gained popularity with hippies, apparently the activists, the free spirits, and President John F. Kennedy and Vice President Lyndon, well, Vice President, yeah, Lyndon Johnson, basically were said that marijuana did not cause any violence. It was perfectly fine. And they didn't want it to be stigmatized as something dangerous for people. So between the 60s and the 70s, that's when things started changing again. And marijuana arrests increased. Um, and they start, authorities starting doing crackdown on marijuana use and distribution. Uh, the Congress passed the Controlled Substance Act, which placed marijuana as a Schedule One drug alongside LSD and heroin. Of course, I know. That's crazy. 
And according to the act, marijuana has no medical value and has a potential for abuse and giving it harsher, basically giving harsher criminal penalties for people who used it. Um, and it also made it difficult for doctors and scientists to study marijuana, which is still a thing now. It's so hard to study these drugs, even though we know it has medical benefits, because depending on the state that it's they're like in. How lot it makes Yeah, it and mean. even if, and a lot of people and doctors and scientists are associated with either private corporations or they're associated with tagged to like schools. Mm -hmm. And not all schools want to even take that risk of having drugs being tested in like a closed facility. So that's, that's just another down spiral um, of the industry. But however, in the seventies, states such as Oregon, Maine, and Alaska do criminalize marijuana. And in the seventies, Nixon came along and ignored all forms of decriminalization. And then that's when the parents were like, oh my gosh, drugs and the free spirits are gonna take our children and ruin our communities. And so that's when D.A.R.E. came along. And D.A.R.E. is the Drug Abuse Resistance Education Program. Did you have that? Did yes, you have D.A.R.E.? Yes, I remember back in high school, we had a whole talent show tied A talent to show? Yes, a talent show tied to D.A.R.E. to, I guess, to promote it. So people would either go on stage and sing, rap, do little magic tricks or whatever. But it was under the dare, basically, you know, don't uh -huh. do drugs, drugs. And then, you know, as people always say, marijuana is a gateway drug to this, this, and that. Or marijuana is, you know, going to make your kids do this and that, kill brain cells. So it's kind of crazy that they would either, they would even try to use that on so many impressionable kids. Because kids are so young and they're going to be like, Drugs are gonna make my brain a vegetable? What? It's yeah. like, that's basically what they were promoting through D.A.R.E. And it's so weird because studies have been shown that after D.A.R.E. would come to schools and do their whole implications mm -hmm. and experiments and their um, presentations, it was said that it wasn't effective because kids- It wasn't. Ended up, they ended up doing drugs anyways. Exactly. They literally ended up doing drugs anyways. So I don't understand why Dare thought it was like, okay. I mean, I enjoyed the talent show nevertheless. The talent <laughs> show was nice. But when it came to, you know, people trying to prevent kids from doing drugs and saying oh it's a gateway drug it's gonna get you hooked on crack it's gonna get you hooked on meth it's gonna get you hooked on heroin it's like i don't think that helped the cause it's the same thing with abstinence and the sex education yeah it did not help so exactly i think the even and this, i guess this branches off to different areas and i'm not gonna go there today oh, but like Fair tactics and telling people yes. they're going to be damned to different places or that they're less than if they do drugs or what have you, or scaring them into thinking that drugs are is this horrible, bad thing. Mm. It, it leads them to either having these horrible negative connotations or either judging other people who do, yes. right? Or wanting to explore it. There's no middle ground when you try to promote fair tactics. To the people, especially tied to a drug that has been historically known for centuries to have medical benefits. So it's, I think it's crazy how when Dare came out. Did you have Dare in your school? Yeah, girl, we had to sign a petition <laughs> that you were never 
<laughs> we had to sign those petitions. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. I would never do this ever in my life. Yes. We, yeah. That we is crazy. I think that's horrible. That's a type of indoctrination that is stupid and ineffective. Like we said. Like science said, it's ineffective. You're right. Because another known fact, it is also known that alcohol is more deadly and exactly. that weed has weed than weed because no death from overdose of marijuana has ever been reported. Yeah. So there may be things combined that has happened, right? Yeah. People will drink or take pills at the same time, or you know, but not someone just smoking, just being like, I'm dead. <laughs> that just doesn't happen. Um, and I haven't seen that either. Um, and then in the 80s, Reagan and he signed the Anti-Drug Abuse Act. This law raised mar marijuana penalties and created mandatory sentences, which equated marijuana with heroin. And they're not the same. Yeah. And then in George Bush, the first one, yeah, the first Bush, he created a new war on drugs and continued that, that marijuana campaign. So harmful, racially harmful even. It is. And we'll see that later on. And then in 1996, California voted to approve proposition, which legalized marijuana for medical use. Sully progressive. <laughs> and then 98, 99, the Clinton administration spent 25 million on television campaigns that placed anti-drug messages on primetime TV shows regarding substance use. And then decades later in 2014, Calorana, Colorado became the first state to legalize marijuana for recreational use. Do you remember when that first happened? Like it was like a big thing. Everyone was like, oh, I'm going to Colorado. I'm going to Colorado <laughs> for this. Because they were like, why is this illegal yeah. everywhere? Exactly. And Colorado's the first one to legalize it. That's such a random state too. It is. It really is. They. I feel like they basically became the forefront yeah. of like other states legalizing it and capitalizing off of it. And the thing about Colorado, because like, there's a... There's people that I listen to or, and that I watch that are from Colorado, and they're like, "Yeah, like the dispensary is just down, you know, down the street, and it's just a casual it's thing. Kind of, like it's not like a, oh my gosh, I have weed. It's not. Yeah. Like, it's nothing like it's that. Kind of Normalized as <laughs> buying tobacco cigarettes. Yeah, or cigars. It's, so that's so weird to me that people do that and want to stigmatize it. But yeah, that was the history. I do want to talk about the chemical composition of <laughs> this of. Cannabis and Let's so get into it, girl. Yes, I have to come with the facts. So cannabis can be found in three major types: cannabis sativa, cannabis indica, and cannabis ruderalis. And although um, these contain over 100 uh, cannabinoid compounds, two have gathered the most attention: THC and CBD. Hemp, which is cannabis sativa plants, have thin leaves and they're tall. Um, can uh, marijuana, which is cannabis indica, plants have broad leaves and they have shorter and bushier appearance. Um, the chemical composition of marijuana can be anywhere between five to thirty percent THC, whereas uh, legal hemp can only produce 0.3% THC. Mm. So this is why people are like, hemp is not effective, is not actually like a drug, because you can't really get high off it off of it. You can smoke as much hemp as you want. Nothing's going to happen to you because it's 0.3% compared to 5 to 30% of marijuana. So that's probably why hemp was more used for like clothing and yeah. robes back in the day. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. And let's see. And so the difference between like the compositions of the THC 
is that the psychological effects can be experienced after consuming uh, marijuana. Whereas, and after like a batch of marijuana, like you said, contains uh, THC, which can be anywhere between 5 to 20%, like we said before, compared to the hemp. And it's also impossible, like we said, for a person to get high off the hemp. Compared to CBD. Yeah, CBD is becoming and popular. Which has about like 20% composition in the marijuana plant. It's famous. It's one of the most famous ones because it does not cause that high feeling. Um, but it's it does cure a lot of critical illnesses. And like we said, some people can use it for seizures. Uh, if people have cancer, they can use it for pain, um, insomnia, epilepsy, and other, other things. So that's, and also digestion. However, a lot of people don't know about this one. Is There's another composition that's found in cannabis plants. It's called CBN. Oh. And it's released when CB, I'm sorry, THC compounds get exposed to oxygen and heat. Um, and CBN is a, has a sedative effect um, and it's found in less than 1% in the like composition of the marijuana plant. And so it's not highly psychoactive. And it also lacks medical properties of CBD. So a lot of letters going on. Um, however, the most basic chemical compound in the cannabis plant is called CBG. <laughs> all these abbreviations. And it's the root of all and of all cannabinoids. And it's formed in marijuana plant in the early stage of harvest and has just 1% composition. Um, and it releases all the other cannabinoids. So that's interesting. And then there is also a terpenoid <laughs> that in these compounds can contain. That's where the the plan gets the yeah the aroma the and smell. flavor. Oh. So if you're very versed with marijuana, you would know the difference in flavors. The strains. That's what that. That's what you're smelling and tasting when you smoke. And so some effects. I've never smoked weed before, but there are the people in my life who have. And this is the, some effects that some people have said when I was reading up on this. Some of the bad effects people have. Um, from smoking are anxiety, confusion, delusions and hallucinations, high blood pressure, nausea, um, vomiting, panic, paranoia, psychosis, and racing heartbeats. However, the good effects that some people experience are the euphoric feeling, the relaxed feeling, um, being amused. Uh, they feel like they're creative. Um, some people get hungry yeah. <laughs> when they the do munchies, that. The munchies, they call it. The munchies. Um, so have you heard of any symptoms? I of guess that, I've know, heard if that? people like consume too much, they'll kind of get into like a, you know, the term upper and a downer. Yes. So marijuana can have that effect as well. It could be an upper or it could be a downer. That's why when they talk about indica and sativa, one is an upper, one's a downer. One yeah. makes you slower. One gives you a little bit more energy. Yes. yes. Hyperactive type. Um, so I guess in a sense, you know, the person can already be, you know, how you say diagnosed with depression, mm -hmm. but in taking that marijuana, weed, cannabis, whatever you want to call it can make them, if it's a downer or if they're having a bad reaction, they can feel even more in a yeah. depressive state and make them sad. Now on the other side of it, I've known people to be diagnosed with weed to 
control of their anxiety, their anxiousness, because it calms them down. Mm -hmm. It lowers the brain. You're not thinking as much. You're in a mellow state. So everything you said, I agree with, because there's two sides of it, especially with when marijuana became such a big thing and people, everyone was smoking it. There was marijuana, the pure form of it. And then there was synthetic marijuana and marijuana with fentanyl. Spice. Yeah, spice. It was like they were taking the drug and putting all these other drugs in it to make it addictive so people would buy it even more Uh or to the point where people, it would affect them in negative ways. So I feel like the pure form of marijuana and then when people take it and like- Add stuff to it. Yes, do little experiments or whatever. That adds, you know, more of the bad side effects to it, and instead of like the pure form of it. So, because I know they're marijuana is a part of some people's religion. Like, <laughs> True, it, they yeah. smoke it to let the bad spirits go away. You know, mm-hmm. heard it personally. So, it's yeah, you're right. It has its bad implications as well as its good implications. And I think about it as well is that again, like I don't do drugs, yeah. but but from what I've heard, that day must affect you. She signed the petition and was like, I'm no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's just not for me. But when it comes to eat, like marijuana use, some people prefer smoking. Others prefer like eating like Edibles. gummies or like brownies. And the effects of either of the two are wild from what I've heard. Some, yes. people, some people are like, oh, I can eat it and I'm, I'm fine. Other people are like, I can smoke it and I'm crazy. Some people, and it's the opposite for some people. Some people can eat a whole brownie, half a brownie, quarter of a brownie, however y'all make it, y'all, and be on edge and be crazy. You know, some people would be chill. So with the smoke version of it, you're basically getting a head high. You're inhaling it and it's going directly to your brain or your lungs is going into the body. So it's probably, the high is not gonna last as much or as last as long. Edibles, on the other hand, you're eating that. You know how long it takes for the person to digest like digest certain compounds and stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you eat, it's going to stay in your body for a while. So you're going to feel that the first day, the second day, maybe even the third day. Do you really? Yes. Oh, it child. might even affect the day after. So this is why I don't smoke. But it gets like, <laughs> it kind of, you know, de-escalates it. How you feel it. You're not going to feel it intensely over the days. But when you when it hits you, when people are like, oh, it's not hitting me. And then they're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, whoa, yeah. That's more the more edible form of it. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I watch video of people like eating and they're like doing it like hit their hair or their makeup and you, you notice when they hit because they start slurring. <laughs> they start they're like, oh, I did that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Okay. Interesting. Well, that's not like facts about it. And then we'll, we'll be right back and we'll talk about the cases. <laughs> <laughs> So now we're going to talk more about how marijuana being illegal affected citizens in the justice system. So I guess some cases. The first case is John Nock. Yes. And Nock received two life sentences plus 20 years for a first time offender for nonviolent crimes um, about a, a cannabis conspiracy in the San Francisco Bay Area and in Canada. He was charged in the 11th Court, Northern District of Florida. Judge Maurice Paul was over his case and stated that even though that there were not any victims that died from his crime, he knew that the marijuana was illegal and he was breaking the law. 
and this was during like the 1990s, 1980s time. So when I want to say the war on drugs was about to start, it was about to start. So lawmakers, law enforcement, they started to get real tough on drugs. So anyone that was affiliated with it probably would have ended up like Mr. Nock. And it's kind of sad because he got, you said, two life sentences. Plus for 20 non, years. For a non-violent. Plus 20 years. A non-violent. Just because he was importing it. But I don't see any of the violence in it. He was just importing the drug. True, right? So apparently he was like working on a farm and learning how to grow cannabis. And then in the late 80s, he withdrew from the conspiracy and started focusing all of his time on his family. His friends continued to import, um, even though the laws around him were changing. Uh, Nock was arrested in France on the U.S. search warrant and extradited to the U.S. in 99. The French put stipulations on his extra extradition yeah. um, that he would not be persecuted for anything prior to 86. When he arrived on U.S. soil, there were superseding indictment and violated the extradition agreement. Nock was elected to go, to go to trial and received, like we said, the two life terms plus 20 years. Um, and, and so he's been doing with that for a long time. And when it came to the release, they tried to petition for his release for clemency under the Obama administration. However, it was denied and he wasn't pardoned until 2021 through President Trump's admin. So it's it's really interesting yeah. that that happened and he was in jail for so many years before being pardoned. It's like, why are you punishing the person when the thing that you're making illegal has so many benefits, as we said before, like we literally presented what it was used for and exactly. why it became illegal. And now these people are suffering in jail because of in their families, what? Exactly. And so his family tried to basically help him with this whole case. And he, like we said, he didn't really do much other than like transporting. There were other people who were, had more involvement, involvement in, in drugs and got lesser sentences. Uh, for example, there's a person named David S. Brock Brocklebank, and he was a multi he had had a multi-ton international drug smuggler, right? Four years in jail. He must have had a good lawyer. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, Alan Long was arrested in 92, released after five years. He was called he, he was a kingpin responsible for multi-tons. There was another person, um, his <coughs> name is Robert <laughs> uh, Coltflesh, and he was sentenced for 10 years, but released after four years, and he was the world's biggest drug pen, kingpin. So it's like people like that, and you compare it to this guy who's just doing a little bit of- He got the short end of the stick, He basically. did get the shit, he really did. And then the next person who had a similar story was Michael Pelletier. Yes, Michael. Okay, so Michael Pelletier is sitting in federal prison serving a life sentence without parole for once again, another nonviolent conviction. Reports have said that he was a kingpin in a drug circle that was making billions of dollars, but that was not the case. 
just for background knowledge, Pelletier has been in a wheelchair. He was a wheelchair paraplegic since he was 11 years old Mm -hmm. and was first introduced to marijuana at the age of 14 to help treat symptoms of his paraplegic blood marijuana was initially used for. And the pain. Right. The chronic pain. But also used for some of his personal use as well. So as the years went by, he thought, or he bought some cannabis from a guy who said he lied under oath about drug use and Mm -hmm. even said that he transported the drugs, Mm -hmm. which put Pelletier right in the middle of everything. However, even though the guy who said that Pelletier, like, you know, had drugs, admitted that he lied under, or yeah, Pelletier got the highest sentence, which was life without parole. Yeah, and he was basically, like you said, um, convicted of operating a multi-million dollar uh, drug smuggling smuggling ring, money laundering, social security fraud, and other crimes. Um, And the jury that made this decision was a jury of four men and eight women. And they deliberated for about five and a half hours on the crime charges. And that was their verdict. The jurors did believe that Pelletier did not handle the marijuana himself, but he had others bring it across the border and distribute it. Distribute it. Wow. Um, and that's why that conviction was made. However, he was also ordered to re- ordered to repay eighty four thousand dollars in social security payments he had received over a thirty year period, and had to forfeit more than four point eight million dollars he earned from trafficking marijuana. Are you serious? He also had to order, he also was ordered to forfeit three residential properties, two cars, a tractor, and more than $20,000 in cash. You're basically taking all his property because he was selling marijuana. That's what the law said, girl. That's what they said. Which doesn't make any sense to me because it's like, now that it's a business in certain states mm-hmm. and people, People that were making millions of dollars back in the day, that's their own money. That's their own assets. Is it because they weren't paying taxes? Did they ever want taxes? I don't know if it was because of taxes. I don't know if it because it was illegal, but that's what he had to do, girl. That's what he had to do. And you know what's even more interesting about it is that his girlfriend, his former girlfriend, Kendra Kyer and Adam Hafford, who was one of the two men that was involved in more than who swarmed the St. John River with more than 60 pounds of marijuana and a duffel bags on his back. He testified against Pelletier, 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 sorry. And however, the girlfriend and Hafford were granted immunity. Wow. I wonder why they got off. Interesting. I don't know, girl. They, they got immunity. However, um, Pelletier did try to get released on medical care and physical therapy because of his paraplegia. Yeah. yeah. And that was just not really good for his health. And he too tried to petition for clemency. He too <laughs> tried to petition for clemency, however, was denied and but pardoned this year during the um the Trump administration. So we already have like two cases already. Two cases already that have ha- that have had nonviolent charges put on them had to serve more than what two life sentences. That's crazy. Had all their assets seized, lost all their money just because marijuana was illegal during that time. 
And I don't know about you, but I know if I was locked in a box <laughs> for oh, 20 so years or so, we, I would be livid. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. So I, I don't know, that, that case just it kind of annoyed me. And there was another one that was really short. Like we... Oh, Mr. Scott. Yeah. So Fer- Pharrell Scott received another life another, another life, life sentence, sentence yeah. for possession and conspiracy to distribute marijuana in 2007. One of his co-defendants re- received 20 years in prison and the rest of the men that were involved received less than seven years. How seven years to life sentence? Make it make sense. That makes no sense to me. It doesn't. And it's like, once again... Most of these men had families. It's like, what are their families doing without them for like 20 years or it's a life? To pay. It's they like they never pay. existed. Exactly. So I just find it outrageous towards the fact that they were put in jail for this long amount of time and they basically did nonviolent offenses yeah, towards drugs that they should be legal. Hurt no one. <laughs> should have been legal back then. So the criminalization of marijuana is kind of, as many would agree, outrageous because it doesn't make any sense. It's not benefiting anyone. You're just putting a bunch of bodies in a prison. And how is that benefiting their life? There's no alternative for them to make money that you're they're offering them. They're not and if giving they them are jobs. Men- making money, they're either in private prisons or making sense to a dollar. It's ridiculous. I don't like it. It, it irks my soul. The next person um, that we're going to talk about, his name is Corvain Cooper. And he had life in prison as well without the possibility of parole um, in 2014 for his participation in the con- in conspiracy to distribute marijuana. And before we uh, go about into that, his, yeah. into the, his case, there's... His case is kind of different from the other cases because there's two codes that were explained. And one of them was 841 and then 851. So 841 is basically prohibit an act. And it states that any it is unlawful for any person knowingly to or intentionally to manufacture, distribute, or dispense or possess with intent to manufacture, distribute, or um, dispense any controlled substance, create, distribute, or dispense or possess with intent to distribute any counterfeit substance. And there, and the penalty for this, whether regarding the size, the quantity of the drug, mm-hmm. it can be, it can range from one kilogram to five kilograms um, to several couple grams, depending on the substance. And these people can be imprisoned, um, may not be imprisoned less than 10 years or more than life. And if death or serious bodily injury were to occur, they, they should not receive less than 20 years or more than life. And a fine not to exceed or greater than that authorized in accordance with the provisions of Title 18 or $10 million if the defendant is an individual or $50 million if the defendant is other than an individual or both. So the amount of years in crime in the system that you're getting is crazy 
for nonviolent crimes. That's why the tough on drug laws, they didn't really benefit. Oh, yeah. Any of the accusers. And it also continues and says the person shall be sentenced um, to a term of imprisonment, imprisonment, which may not be less than five years and may not be more than 40 years. And if death um, or serious bodily injury occurs um, from the use of a substance, uh, the sentence should not be less than 20 years, like we stated before, and a fine. And so it's like, why? This is all in just the 1841 code. 1841 code. And then the 851 code is basically enhancement by the government, right? So the minimum mandatory doubles now if you're convicted. So instead of five years, it'll be 10 years. Instead of 10 years, it's going to be 20 years, depending on the the, the size the of the size, substance. The substance, the laws that you have previously regarding that. And it, like I said, it increases the mandatory life. And this applies to remote and minor drug offenses that do not con uh, constitute fenally, fenal, wow, felonies mm -hmm. under state law, um, but would not constitute felonies under federal law as well. And this doesn't matter. They don't care. There's no limit on remoteness, as we stated. And this can also deal with prior convictions for a felony drug use, which includes simple possession, misdemeanors in states where misdemeanors are punishable uh, by more than one year, uh, offenses punished with no imprisonment, offenses that are not career offender predicates, offenses that resulted in no criminal history points. So Cobain basically got the book thrown Everything. at him. I got the book thrown at him. And so we're going to hear him speak about it real quickly. And this is what he said regarding his case. I'm a Shaylou My name is Corbin Cooper. I'm currently incarcerated for marijuana distribution. I was found guilty of life of imprisonment for marijuana. It just blew my mind knowing, coming from California, knowing the, the marijuana laws and knowing when you're driving down the street, my kids are on their way to school and they can stop at a hemp store before they can stop at an actual liquor store. And I got the, all my prior convictions are taken off my jacket. So if I was arrested today, I would have no priors. I would be just like a new person that was just getting into the system today. about it like he said in there um he said that he was basically in prison because of the third crime well the that. two prior crimes are kicked out as we said he, he it wasn't supposed to be charged it was supposed to be like he was a, a clean slate like this was his first time yes however this is what happened with his case so 
1997, he was he got into the world of petty crimes, and so he did like credit card credit card fraud, and then was tax beca- evasion as well. Mm-hmm. And then he became a dealer in 2004, and he basically started climbing up in the business. And they, what is it? They were selling like bag, $20 bags of weed to like resell. Mm-hmm. And so that was one thing that happened. And then in 2011, he was pulled over and arrested for a brick of cannabis and codeine cough syrup that wasn't prescribed to him. And for this crime, he served like a year in state prison. The third crime, this is the messed up part. The third crime, which is what he was arrested for, was resulted in the life in prison, is that his one of his childhood friends had recently been arrested and was basically told by the authorities to give 100 names in, in exchange for a shorter sentence. Wow. And his name was one of the 100 people. And he was found guilty in 2013 for money laundering, tax evasion, conspiracy to distribute a ton of marijuana. <laughs> So basically it was like a snitching type case. Yeah. And he had, Cooper had packed and shipped the marijuana, but there was mostly, you know, he wasn't trying to deal with that life anymore. And that's what he got in prison for. And as some of you guys may know, the three strikes law, it incarcerated so many men, so many men of color for use of drugs and distribution of drugs because when the war on drugs started, the tough on crime laws started, it was, like you said earlier, it was one, a racial implication, and then two, some, some thought, we need to get drugs off the street. However, we all know that some, that was a little distorted in view. And it was like, whatever you did, it was kind of like baseball, whatever you did. Three strikes and you're out. Three strikes and you get the exactly. like the maximum sentence. And doesn't make sense. I mean, I get it. Like it's all the same crime, but why not have alternatives? You know what I mean? Surrounding that. And he was from California, so I guess especially people went like places like California and Colorado where they're like, we this is normalized. This. Yeah, yeah, everyone does it. It's like it's not that big of a deal. And now he's in prison because of this. It's ridiculous. And the other another person was Craig Cecil. And he he was a truck repair man. Girl, he didn't even sell drugs. This is what this is why he got life in prison. Oh my god. This BS, right? So he was in Florida. Like we said, he just was operating on trucks all the time. However, he was repairing trucks that have been leased and used to smuggle pot. And he knew that the trucks were being used. Um, but he didn't really care. He didn't report it. However, he was arrested because of the marijuana conspiracy charges for repairing these trucks. It's, it's crazy. And then he was serving life in prison, as he said, without parole um, because he didn't take a plea bargain, even though he had no criminal history, none. And apparently he was held completely responsible for everything the, his, the kingpin, uh, kingpin did yeah. and the smokers did because they were using the trucks that he was repairing. And... So he was guilty by association. Which doesn't make sense. He's not selling drugs. He's just repairing cars. Cars. But yeah, so he was, he had issues with his health as well and was trying to get released uh, during the COVID era. So that's what happened with him. And then the last person was Wei Long. 
And the last person was he came here from Lake Laos. Laos, yeah. And he was incarcerated in 1996, um, basically because he was a government cooperating witness was arrested when the Fresno County Sheriff's Department executed a search warrant on a marijuana farm in order to obtain release for himself, this guy, the person that was working on the farm and his pregnant wife at the time, he blamed everything on Long. Oh my gosh. So to save himself, this guy who was working, who got busted, to save him, someone yeah, else. he was like, oh, sorry, that's not me. That's this guy. That's Long. And Long was imprisoned for like, he was sentenced to be in prison for 50 years. Yeah, he got a life without parole. And that's crazy. However, luckily, all of these guys were, were pardoned. Were pardoned recently, but that's like they've been in jail for half of their lives, which doesn't make sense. Over wheat, and a lot of them this first time, first time. It's it is ridiculous because now we're looking at the present. Now we're looking at the present, and we're seeing. Marijuana turned into this big capitalist ideal. We're gonna sell it. CBD oils. You get a CBD oil. You get a CBD oh, bro, oil. They're everywhere. You get the gummies. You see it in gas stations. You see it in grocery GNCs. stores. People are literally making this drug and capitalizing it. And the people that were criminalized for these drugs like wasted half of their life. Calling in them jail. entrepreneurs. All oh, these are entrepreneurs. Look at them. But the people in jail are what? Like it's crazy. So our word of the week. So since these men were pardoned by Trump in 2021, a pardon, which is the word of the week, is a government decision to allow a person to be relieved of some or all of the legal consequences resulting from a criminal conviction. A pardon may be granted before or after conviction for the crime, depending on the laws of the jurisdiction. And I, I, I agree. Half of the people that were criminalized for marijuana should be pardoned because, as you can tell, marijuana was used for many benefits back in the day. And just because of the racial implications, it was criminalized. And it's very, it's very outrageous that that happened. So I am going to list some states that have legalized marijuana, illegalized marijuana, and then some states that have mixed decisions. So, states that have fully legalized marijuana are Illinois, Washington, Vermont, South Dakota, Oregon, New York, Finally. New Jersey, <laughs> yes, Nevada, Montana, Michigan, Massachusetts, Maine, DC, Colorado, California, Alaska, and Arizona. Now, states where marijuana is illegal, Alabama, Idaho, Kansas, Nebraska, North and South Carolina, Tennessee, and Wyoming. However, CBD is normal. Okay, CBD is sold in Alabama. Yes. So, but it's still the actual like acceptance of yeah, marijuana yeah, yeah. is like illegal. And the <laughs> other states have like mixed decisions towards it. They basically have it for medicinal uses. It's so funny because you still smell where marijuana. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like illegal there. Wait, where's so, Georgia? Georgia. I think Georgia was one of the ones that had mixed decisions. It's not legal there. Is it? No, it's not legal. Hmm, it's not legal, but they were the mixed. As soon as you drive in Atlanta, you smell weed. Yeah. It's just in the air. They were one of the mixed decisions. <laughs> so we can we can go on to the 
questions for discussions, if you may, unless you have more information. No, that was it. Okay, so we can go on discussions. We can go on the questions for discussion. So, partner, <laughs> do you think weed should be legal and why? I, again, I think medicinally, yes. I think if people are going to use it recreationally, I want them to be aware of how to properly use it um, and be able to know their limits and be able to do it in a safe space because the reactions, for, especially for those who are using it for the first time, may be different for everyone. So having correct knowledge and access to education is very important to me. I agree. I agree. The fact that it had so many uses for the empires back in the day, we can literally use that. And since it's natural, it grows from the yeah. earth. You can't, you're not really, how you say, defacing the earth in any way to try to grow it. Exactly. And it's a natural source and you can use it for many other things so i think it should be legal as well okay. now okay. yeah i think it should be <laughs> and then do you think it should be decriminalized of course yeah as you could tell these life sentences are stupid they are it doesn't make any sense because it's like why would you put someone in jail for that amount of time but now you're capitalizing off of it all people entrepreneurs they're having like um what do you call those things when people bring all their inventions and uh, uh showcases yes and, yeah people have been bringing their we conventions and they're like we're entrepreneurs. We want to sell this. This is good for your hair. You have it. You could put it in your shampoo and it'll do all, all this stuff. And yeah. Like, you got people sitting on life in jail for selling this stuff. Let them all free. Let them all go. Was it grandfathered in? Grandpa is that, that what that is? Like grandfathered in? So. Or, or whatever it is. But they should be released. Yes. And then if weed is legal, should there be a policy or like a legislation revisiting cases regarding marijuana? Yes. I the courts well. will be full. Ooh, child, no, it, would be, full. it would be. It would be like you get a pardon. You get a pardon because it's like you're not harm. At, your distribution of weed is not a harm to our society. Yeah, it never was in the first place. Exactly. So I agree as well. And someone's choice to use a substance is not the drug dealer's fault. Yeah. And right. I think we place a lot of emphasis on drug dealers and like making them look bad. But you have pharmacies, so. Oh, right. If someone wants to get high, they they will find ways. People are getting high off of spray paint and Elmer's glue and like <laughs> right. all these other things. If someone really wanted to get high, they'll do it. Alcohol, yeah. these regular things. Like they, if they want it, they could do it. How about and you? And then, yeah, I agree. I agree. They should revisit the cases. Like you said, the courts would be packed. It would be a long court day. Lawyers would be getting their coin though because they, they would just literally argue Aww. with the latter. Like they should be out. Yeah. And then that was the last one. So... If you guys would like to answer our questions for discussion, feel free to answer them on our account on Instagram, legalese, legal underscore ESE, sorry. And then our song of the week, it's, it's only right, <laughs> you wanna say? It's So High by Joja Cat. And it's if you're an OG fan, you will know this song, it's amazing. So check it out. <laughs> And you can also find our podcast on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify. And like we said, um, what's the guy's name again? Purvis Payne? Yes. Please go and sign, sign the petition. petition and send it to as many people you can so they can sign the petition. So we can at least try to bring awareness, bring to, awareness him. to him because he has six days left until 
they execute him. And this is unnecessary. This is unacceptable. And this is uh, a disservice to justice. It is. It is. But we hope you guys have a great day and you enjoy listening to us. We'll catch you next episode. Bye. Thanks for speaking our language, guys. Bye.